How are we doing today, Pack Nation? This is Pack Center. I am your host, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth. Today is going to be a very great episode. We break down the embarrassing loss to Hawaii. We also break down some volleyball that's been playing, some men's and women's tennis, swimming and diving, and then lastly, soccer. It's going to be a great episode, so make sure you stick around. And we're back. Hawaii. It was a little rough, huh? Yeah, was, that's to say the least. Yeah. Thankfully, I was on the East Coast, so I only watched half the game before it got really bad. Well, aren't you lucky? I had to watch <laughs> the entire damn game. 54-3 to was the final score if you did not make it out to Mackey Stadium. Um, I guess you were one of the lucky ones. Um, I mean, by the end of the game, I, I would say give or take, there was about 100 people there. Um, student side, obviously, was there was no one there. Um, there was probably 50 people on the visitor side. Hawaii fans were dancing around, getting drunk, just having the best time. Having the best time that at they ever had. And then um, there was probably about another 50 up on that right end zone. Um, just I, I don't know why they were there. They were bracing the cold, um, you know, watching watching the pack till the dying minutes. And then on the uh, home side, I couldn't really see it from the press box, but I think we we counted another, like, maybe 100 people. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, the press box, it was a little interesting. There was It was pretty silent. Um, I mean, yeah, by the end of the game, we were literally counting people because there was really nothing else to do. Um, it was an interesting game, to say the least. We got beat 54-3 to on Saturday. It was... Something that we both didn't see coming. You event you did guess the winner. Yeah. You guessed but Unfortunately. we Unfortunately. But both of us were incredibly wrong on the score. <laughs> Very wrong. Well, I guess we were half wrong. We both we both knew Hawaii was gonna put up points. Not but not, but not that 54 many points. points. Yeah. <laughs> we both knew that Hawaii was gonna come out swinging. They were gonna come out scoring. Um I think honestly it comes down to one team showed up. I mean, one team showed up to play on Saturday. One team left their game cleats at home and um, not at the home stadium, like at home home, like in the dorms kind of home because they didn't – I mean, our team looked like they did not want to play at all. It looked like the cold actually affected them more than Hawaii. It just wasn't our game at all. Everything we said that they needed to do to win the game, they didn't do. Everything we said that they needed to be afraid of happened – um, Cole McDonald unleashed a game and a half. Um, he's just picked our secondary apart. Yeah, our secondary had no answer to him. Um, yeah, we we suffered injuries. I mean, everything that possibly. I mean, special teams, who who usually is one of our most consistent performers of the in our entire team. Special teams had a blocked punt, a punt that went over his head for a safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, every facet of our game on Saturday went wrong is it too i mean are our fans gonna jump ship i mean is it too early to jump ship like what's going on right now i mean i hope not but when you kind of have games like this at the oregon game we kind of all saw the blowout coming we all saw that so i think fans kind of embraced but this game i think fans had no idea what was going yeah. on and yeah i hope they don't jump ship but i could see a fair amount of fair weather football yeah. fans kind of leaving at this point even though we are still 3 and 2 we have mm-hmm. a winning record mm-hmm. it's just the quarterback play that we had uh like you said special teams was not on point there's a lot of things that really just kind of went downhill for nevada and it's not too encouraging to look at yeah we'll break down um how this loss kind of stacks up to the Oregon loss here in a bit. I just want to go over some statistics to show you guys how this game kind of went. So on our side of the ball, Carson Strong, he started the game. He went 7 for 14, 46 yards, and one interception. He started the first two drives, I want to say. Um, he might have even started that third drive. No, I, yeah, I think he started that yeah, third drive. I think so. Um, and then we soon saw, once we kind of realized that Carson you know, wasn't going to have a good game, he was, you know, he felt flustered. He was getting pressured by all all sides. They put Christian Solano in there. He went 11 for 17, 59 yards, and one interception as well. 
combined, it was, I mean, the stats speak for themselves. Passing, we had 105 yards for the entire game. One interception, no touchdowns. Um, yeah, it was it wasn't good. I mean, Cole McDonald he threw all, all he threw all over our secondary, twenty five for thirty, three hundred and twelve yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Hawaii led the nation in turnovers coming into this game, and we couldn't force one. So that tells you how our defense played. Who usually was, I mean, the defense has been the most solid part of our team since starting the year and um yeah I don't know the defense disappeared in this game as well so then two backups came into the game after McDonald they went six for six for 61 yards one touchdown um I think it was their third string quarterback who had two throws that that scored that other that last touchdown so there that's how that went I mean all, all three of their quarterbacks just had a day running the ball for us Toa, like I predicted, almost had his 20 touches. He ran the ball 17 times, 75 yards. He averaged 4.2 yards per rush. Solano had 10 running attempts for 52 yards. Kelton Moore and Devontae Lee, who is back now, uh, he made a really speedy recovery. We kind of thought that we'd see him in the first uh, conference game. He is back now. He only, They each had only one carry, though, so not much going on there. We've, we didn't get to touch on this in the last episode but Jackson Kincaid uh, is transferring out of the football program he used his four games to redshirt this year and now is going to get a, another year of eligibility somewhere else so us at Pack Center want to wish him the best of luck definitely yeah uh, wherever he goes it's a tough situation now that Nevada's in because he was getting I mean Toa had 46 snaps coming into the game and Jackson had 40 so I mean we gave him a lot of uh a lot of playing time, a lot of rushes, so it'll be interesting to see how we kind of split the rush now. But Hawaii, who usually doesn't really run the ball much and or well, we highlighted that on the last show, uh, but they ran the ball great this game. I mean, everything on Hawaii's team was clicking. They ran for 139 yards and one touchdown. I mean, a good running offense against a – or, I mean, a not-so-good running offense against a really good running defense, and we still couldn't stop them. Yeah, that was – that was kind of the biggest thing for me because we kind of both predicted that Cole was going to throw all over our secondary um, and that our secondary needed to step up, but we did not see the, you know, kind of a really nice rush day for Hawaii, who's usually a team that doesn't like to ground and pound the ball. And I guess a lot of that too was they were up, you know, basically the whole game. Yeah. So it's they're trying to run the ball, chew out the clock. Uh, that's another part of it, but yeah, still 139 yards is a lot to put up on uh, our defense, especially. Yeah, and you know they're running the ball a lot because they're up a lot, but that doesn't mean they have to get that many yards. You yeah. know, what I mean? it doesn't mean our defense can't step up. And I mean, it's just everyone looked lost on Saturday. But yeah, and then catching the ball on on our side, we had Elijah Cooks. I mean, we couldn't, we really couldn't get anything going. Um, he had five receptions for only 38 yards. Romeo Dubs had two catches for 25 yards. John Humphrey though. Uh, he, some people might not remember. He joined the team uh, late in the season. I think if it was before the first game, I think it was right before the first game or right after the first game. Yeah, we got um, the, the transfer. Wh- yeah, where John John Humphrey uh, transferred from. He is an ASU kid. He had one catch for 18 yards, so it's good to see him starting uh, to make some waves. Hopefully he will, he'll be able to get in the game more as kind of like an athlete, uh, maybe run the ball a little bit. Uh, catch the ball a little bit because we need some help on the wide receiver end. Uh, Caleb Fossum was kind of a um, sore spot for this game. One catch for zero yards, didn't go back to him again. It's kind of interesting to see. I mean, I think that's just because we couldn't get anything going. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so literally got outmatched in every category imaginable. First downs, Hawaii had 26. We had 16. We didn't get our first down until four minutes left in the first quarter. Um, we saw two straight three and outs. That's something that we have seen a lot of. Those first couple drives have always been kind of hard for us, and we see a lot of three and outs in those first couple drives. We didn't get to see our first first down until four minutes. Hawaii had 139 rushing yards to our 98. They had 373 receiving yards to R105. Total offense of the day, we were held to 203 yards offensively for the entire game, which is kind of crazy to think about. Hawaii, on the other hand, had 512 yards for the entire game. Hawaii almost averaged a first down per play. Yeah. They averaged eight yards per play 
I mean, that, that is that is something. I don't even know if uh, if Oregon had that. I don't think so. I think they were up, I think they were close to like five or six, but I don't think it was eight. Eight. That's literally almost a first down per play. Like I I don't even remember seeing that ever in a football game. That's yeah. truly incredible. Um, incredible on Hawaii's part. Atrocious on our part. They had. More time of possession. They had 31 minutes of the football compared to our 28 minutes. We were 4 for 14 in third down conversions and 0 for 3 in fourth down conversions. We gave up 3 sacks and 11 tackles for a loss. There was no push for the O-line, which is now only going to get thinner. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then, I mean, another game, MVP, Brandon Talton. We are literally five games in. He's really earning his scholarship right about Dude. now. And it's just every game we said it, it's like it's good that we have such a solid kicker and he's our MVP, but it's so bad that after every game our kicker is our MVP. Yeah. I mean, he is absolutely killing the game, but yeah. it's not like, you know, our offense is kind of putting him in, into a position where he doesn't have to kick that many field goals. I mean, he's kicked 10 throughout the first, what are you now, five games in? That's two a game, which, is, which isn't which is terrible, but it's still when we're putting up three points against a you know, Hawaii team, which we said was probably going to be one of the biggest games of the year, um, at least for our Mountain West West division. Uh, it's just really disappointing. But, yeah, it's – like you said, it's kind of – I don't think it's really a good spot. I think it's super sad that he has to be our MVP – Every single week. Well, not every single week, but most of the weeks yeah. we've been in play right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not a good sign. Um, and then, as you guys have might have heard, Jake Nelson, our starting left tackle, had his arm broken on Saturday. He is going to be out. I don't think they put a timetable on it yet. I heard it was rest of the season looking type injury. Um, was wow. what one of the reports I saw on Twitter reported. I don't know if that's true or not. We haven't heard anything from the team regarding that, but it's just one of the reports I saw. It is a broken arm and halfway kind of through the season, so it'd be interesting to see if we can get him back um, to a overline that's yeah, really kind of in the pit right now. Yes, definitely. Uh, Trey Price, he is a first-year player, but he played at American River College down in Sacramento. Shout-out AR. Shout out AR. They have, they produce some really good football players. Yes. One of the top uh, junior colleges in the nation to play football at. But we also heard that Aaron Frost might be moving to tackle position. There's just a lot of different players that they have to look at in the O-line right now because of you know Jake Nelson and what he brought to the O-line. He was the most veteran player on this O-line. He was the leader of this O-line and now has a broken arm. So, I mean, really bad uh, break for Jake Nelson. Really bad break for this O-line. The union in total is just going to be without their leader now. It's it's kind of hard to um, continue moving forward with your offense when you don't have a senior offensive lineman like that. Yeah, that's something we kind of talked about the into, you know, the first couple games of the season was, you know, we know we have a young O-line. We know it's going to be kind of a struggle for the first couple games, but hopefully Jake can kind of, help them and right this ship and something we haven't had to worry about our O-line in quite some time here in Nevada. You know, we've had some really good offensive linemen. Some went to the NFL. Um, so it's just really kind of a new thing for uh, Nevada fans right now is to have an O-line that's really just struggling to get a push, struggling to move the ball. And um, when you have a quarterback that's also struggling as well, it's really hard for an offense to even start clicking at all. Do we want to talk about the quarterbacks right now? Let's just save it. Let's save let's, it. Yeah. Let's we'll, save the quarterback. We'll save it. Just for a little bit. We'll save the quarterback conversation just for a little bit. But I do want to ask, though, it, it could seem like a reasonable time to start sweating a little bit if you're a Nevada football fan. I'm not saying you should. anyone should jump ship because there is still so no. much of yeah, the season I to be. I 100% agree. Yeah, I don't think. And I, I mean, I'm I'm very critical on Nevada sports, and I'll be the first one to say, you know what, this is my, might be the time to jump ship, but I don't think it is yet. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, but – it, I do. I'm, I'm. I'm starting to get worried. I'm starting to get worried about three facets of our game. I'm starting to get worried about our O line, especially with Jake Nelson gone. I'm starting to get seriously worried about our secondary because um, while Cole McDonald, while Cole McDonald is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the Mountain West, um, we're gonna see some pretty good 
offenses. Yeah, a lot up. of air raid right. type offenses like ours. Definitely. So um, the secondary is really starting to scare me a little bit. If we can't get that figured out, it's going to be a long season. And then our QB situation, which we'll t- touch on later, it's like if we can't have a solid quarterback to lead this team, I mean, I know we only need to win three more games, but bowl season is is looking bleak yeah. right now, right? Yeah, it's looking – I wouldn't say bleak yet, but I'd say it's almost getting to that point where, yeah. you know, you kind of have to start stressing about winning three more games out of our remaining slate because we do have a tough second half of the schedule for Mountain West play um, after San Jose State. Uh, we play a tough slate of games, you know, to kind of finish out the season and then end with Little Brothers down south. But, yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of concerning to see the O-line who has really just done nothing so far in the season, if we're being honest. Uh, secondary who has shown bright spots but can't be consistent, and that was one big thing when I was listening to the press conference today that Jay Norvell had. Uh, his usual Monday press conference was consistency. Yeah. was a word he used a lot in that press conference where – we just aren't playing consistent and we have high games and really bad games. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that the team is kind of somewhere in the middle of both of those extremes. I'd like to think we're kind of way better than this performance, but right now, yeah, it is kind of disheartening to see the team, which we really had a lot of promise for in the uh, beginning of the season, kind of sort of start faltering here. But there is, like he said, there's a lot of football left. There's a mm-hmm. lot of weeks to get right. And I think this, bye week comes at almost a perfect time for Nevada right now. Definitely, because after the bye week, then we have San Jose State, which, um, I mean, it's pretty much a lock, but after this game, it's getting a little bit more scary. Like, yeah. you know, San Jose State, they're they're 2-2. Two and two. They beat Arkansas. Yeah, I was going to say beat SEC Arkansas. So it's like, you know, that game even becomes less of a lock now because of how our team is playing. And it basically, I don't want to say it starts with our offense because our defense let up 54 points, but, I mean, the defense held them in the first quarter. They were held to seven points in the first yeah, quarter. Yeah, seven nothing. They had multiple three and out trips. The defense was doing all right, but the offense had three and out trips of their own. And then you get to the point where it's our defense is on the field for so long and so many drives back to back. They're gassed. Yeah, that wear and tear really starts to kind of set in for a defense, especially against Hawaii, who's throwing the ball all around you making you run all over the field. They have playmakers literally everywhere. So it's it's really hard to stay up on the field for that long as a defense and not get gassed. And they got gassed. They got they got blown by 54 points and I think that starts with our offense though. Our offense did nothing to help our defense on Saturday. Like nothing at all. And now I want to get into. I'm heated. I want to get into the quarterback talk. Let's I want because you know what? If we had a quarterback at the helm that wouldn't have happened. If we had a strong, just a leader at the helm, we none of this revolving door quarterback. If we're going to have Carson, stick with Carson. If we're going to have Christian Solano, then stick with Christian Solano. But, I mean, and then it's like, what has Malik done to not get a shot? You know what I mean? He he was dressed on Saturday, but he didn't put his helmet on at all. But he was dressed out. Yeah. So it's like, what? so what do they do? What is he doing to not get a shot? What I'm I'm – Flabbergasted. I mean, there the has situation. to be something behind the scenes that we're not seeing that's Apparently. kind of behind the closed doors if we're not giving Malik a shot and we're kind of having that rotating door, as you said, yeah. that quarterback. And you know, it's something that needs to be addressed if you're a coaching staff and for especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, especially talking about uh, kind of the offense, it's Jay Norvell was asked a question in the press conference. He said, Will you start be taking, you know, will you start calling plays? And he said no. He's he denied that super quick. Yeah. You know that's not a that's not the problem. It's our offense. It's yeah. just not clicking. And I 100% agree. It's I think you know the plays that we're calling are kind of there. It's just our offense isn't executing and being consistent with those plays. And yeah, it's I mean I think this bye week, like like I said, it comes at a huge time for Nevada. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna really find out what this team's made of. You know we need a leader, yeah. whether it be a quarterback or. Toa or yes. Elijah's been playing really well under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that leadership kind of needs to come from the quarterback spot and we need to have a definitive kind of answer. And I think all three quarterbacks should be easily in this conversation right now. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, Jay was talking about in coach Norvell was talking about in his press conference. He was, he kind of let us in on his method of madness. He, he was saying everything is up for consideration right now. Yeah. He said, there is no set, 
I mean, what you want to hear after a loss like this. I mean, every, pretty much every coach after a loss like this saying, oh, no no position is safe, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. next man up. But, I mean, I truly think that he believes that. Like, no position is safe right now. If, if people can't be coachable and if people can't do what they ask them um, from the coaches, then they need to bounce. They, they need someone else to get in their spot. And then he also talked about Malik Henry, and he was saying how he talked to Malik already today, this morning, and talked to him about, the, how a starter's responsibility doesn't isn't just on the field. It's in the it's yes. in the locker room. It's it's in the huddle. It's on the sidelines after you just went three and out, or on the sidelines after you just threw a pick. And um, I don't I don't know if Malik's ready for that as you know taking the helm as a quarterback. But I mean he's by far the best athlete to, to like that would be able to step in that position. 100%, yeah. So why aren't they looking at him? You know what I mean? Like, why isn't he getting this shot? Because in my opinion, Malik needs to be in there. We need – if we if we keep having this problem at quarterback, then we won't even be able to get to a bowl game. Especially when we've heard preseason where there was a lot of questions about Malik's character and every coach that was asked the question, every player said he's done nothing but support this team and oh, yeah. be one of the leaders, then I'm just confused. If I feel like that's the only thing that's kind of holding him back were we being lied to at the beginning of the season or is it just kind of um they want to give guys who are around longer a shot i don't know what's going through the coach's mind but i definitely think malik should be in i mean he it's not like he made a huge mistake when he played at utep he went right two for two and then the stat was was changed later to three for three for i don't know how many i think he had around 40 yards and then obviously that 20 yard to caleb which caleb fumbled at the end of the play that wasn't even it's not Yeah. yeah it's not his fault at all so I don't know what he's not doing maybe in practice or anything like that to be not deserving of a shot to even kind of get in the game, especially in a game like this where we're playing a you know a decent Mountain West or not-so-decent Mountain West defense. Um, why aren't you giving Malik a chance when we're down 40-something points mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get his feet wet even more and then kind of maybe he can really prove himself, have a good week in practice and – you know, a couple of weeks of practice and see where it goes from there. But yeah, I, I'm kind of flabbergasted like you are that yeah. he's not even getting looked at in this situation when definitely he is probably, he probably has the best arm, is the best scrambler, is probably the best athlete uh, of the quarterbacks we have currently. Yeah, Coach Norvell said it best when he was, when he said Malik has the arm of Carson Strong, which by the way, Carson threw a duck on Saturday. So that for that pick, he threw a duck. And I don't, I think Malik has a better arm than Carson. But anyways, Coach Norvell said that he has the arm of Carson Strong and the legs of Christian Solano, and I think that is right on with that statement. He can make, pl- he can extend plays, he can make throws on the run. We saw that against UTEP, and like you said, Hawaii is the only thing holding Hawaii back from absolutely running the West is their defense, hundred percent. Because yeah. their offense can compete with, I mean, they obviously blew us away. They can compete with San Diego State. They can compete with Fresno, and then who do you, who else do you have on the list? There's really no one. Yeah. I mean, the little brothers down south in San Jose State, come on. So it's like there's really no one else that can kind of compete with Hawaii's offense. And then, I mean, so going up against that kind of defense, I definitely thought we were going to see Malik Henry, especially in the um, late stages of the game. I heard rumors up in the press box, like they someone asked a higher position up on the football staff who was in the press box saying, you know, is he injured? Um, no, he's not injured, and he's dressed up. Is he sick? Uh, there's been no reports of him being sick. So it's like, is there something? It's got to be something. Cause, you know what I mean? There has I to mean, be something else. Even the point that you just brought about, brought up about Coach Norvell saying he is Carson's arm and Solano's legs, it's, it's kind of like, well, he's the better of both of them, and combined into one, why isn't he even, even getting time. a shot? Didn't yeah, even that's something that kind of confuses me, but like – I kind of said before, it might be something that has to do with some behind-the-scenes stuff we're not seeing or something because, yeah. I mean, from an outsider looking in, it's kind of like, it's, what are we doing really, at quarterback? We're questioning it for sure, We need us, we, and we need to question it. I mean, that's our job as literally analysts is to question why we do these things and why what happened after a 54-3 to loss. But um, I think we both – I speak for both of us when we're saying we want the right quarterback in there, and we I, th- I personally think it's um, – it's either Malik Henry or Christian Solano. I think Carson Strong has a really bright future. I think, honestly, truly, he's the future of Nevada football, but I, I just don't think he's ready yet. I just yeah. I don't think he's ready he, to take us into the Mountain West Conference yet. I'd like, we keep bringing up consistency. It's 
he's not consistent whatsoever. He has. I think he will become exactly. But not and I yet. think yeah, not right yet. now, yeah, I should say right now yeah. he is not consistent. Yeah. He has an amazing game. Um, he does have a good arm. He has an amazing arm, and he, he has a throw, great he, arm. Yeah. And his he's fo- a cannon. I think his football IQ could use some improvement, but definitely. I think it's there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's he's definitely. I agree. I think he's the quarterback of our future. But yeah, I think right now, if he kind of watches these two senior, more veteran yeah. quarterbacks kind of take some snaps and make some reads at the line and stuff like that. I think he could really learn a lot this season and then come out even better next year. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's either, at this point, I think it's either Christian or Malik. And um, I hope Malik gets it, to be honest. Because yeah. I think, I think so just to have a, a talented quarterback like him out there would be something that I think a lot of people, especially not us, but a lot of other fans want to see as well. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I um you know, I think I think all three quarterbacks are special in their own right, but it's just who's going to set us up in the right position to win now. Yeah. And and th- that's what we need to do. It's middle of the season like we need to win now. There's no you know, testing out the kinks and seeing what's going to happen. We need to win now. So, enough beating a dead horse. You know, we'll see what who comes out against San Jose State, but that quarterback position is up for grabs and it'll be interesting to watch. Was this loss worse than Oregon? Uh, not by the numbers, not yeah. by any of that. I mean, morally. To, uh, is this loss worse than Oregon? I believe so because this is a team that we were favored to beat. You know, we were supposed to kind of beat this team according to, you know, whatever Vegas odds or, you know, even a lot of Mountain West people thought this was it's going to be a close game, but we were going to come out with it. And I think a lot of people thought in Reno, you know, we were going to win yep. the game. And that was kind of the difference for me was – Going into Oregon, we knew we kind of weren't going to win. It wasn't going to be uh, necessarily yeah. a close game, but this is just, yeah, I think this one hurts a lot more, and I think it is a way worse loss than when we went to Oregon as well. We're playing in front of Mackey fans, yeah. and having this kind of performance is kind of disappointing. This one just feels demoralizing. Yeah. Like, it just feels like, oh, man. Like, the, the, against Oregon, it was still like, yeah, could, we lost You could almost Oregon. joke about the right. kind of Oregon loss. Right, and you can, like, you can just – break it down and just say like yeah they killed us but like that's a really good team and our hopes are still alive like we can still you know men that win the mountain west uh west division like we can still do all these goals that we set ahead of ourselves but now that getting shellacked by hawaii is like dude are we gonna be able to get that mountain west are we gonna be able to make a bowl game like now these questions are starting and i know we are not the only two asking these questions it was all over twitter Mm -hmm. so it's like are you know now these questions are starting to come in and I think it's way worse than Oregon. I think it's a hundred times worse yeah. than Oregon. I think you could Oregon could put up ninety on us and it would still be worse yeah. than Oregon. I mean this is this was a really, really poorly played game by the pack and I think they need to take a deep look into themselves and say what the hell happened on Saturday. Like what truly happened on Saturday. But lastly, before we wrap up football, I want to get into something that Coach Norvell was saying multiple times, not only after the game on Saturday, but he brought it up again today at the press conference about players transferring, using that four-game redshirt window, transferring to another school, and trying to best utilize their talents at a different school. Coach Norvell was very, very adamant to the fact that this is ruining college football. He literally said, we are losing the game we love so much because kids are using this four-game redshirt rule, and going somewhere else and totally leaving their teams high and dry. So if you guys do not know, like we already said, Jackson Kincaid left. But the way that he left, not too many people are happy about it, I would say. I mean, everyone on Twitter I've seen is all, like, supportive of him. Yeah, of and, course. Like, and, like, everyone I've seen is, like, good luck at your next, like, venture. Like, we, like, want obviously we want him to, to see him do really well wherever he goes. Yeah, exactly. But – at the same time, I do see where Coach is coming from because it's not like he was just, like, sitting on the bench for those first four games. Yeah. Like, he was our back. Like, I agree. Coming into this game, Toa had 46 touches. Coming into this game, Jackson Kincaid had 40. So, and we we both said, like, Toa's our guy, but now you see Jackson Kincaid getting the the a lot of reps. We saw him almost arguably have one of the best games he've ha- he's had against UTEP, two running touchdowns. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see how he comes off one of his best games ever in a Wolfpack uniform, decides to leave, and it seemed like Coach Norvell didn't even know about it. I don't know how this transfer uh, rule and this redshirt rule is going to keep affecting college football, and I don't, I don't know if it's 
as big of a problem as Coach Novell is making it out to be, or if um, I'm just kind of oblivious to this fact right now? I don't know. I think it's it's a really tough situation. I don't think it's terrible for football, but I don't think it's a step in the right direction. I think that I'm I kind of agree with Coach Norvell in certain aspects, but as a player, if you feel that you know through your first couple games you're not being utilized the way you want to, and you think you can expand your talents and go somewhere else, I'm you know if it's Definitely. best for you, yeah. you know go do it. But at the same time, from a coach's standpoint, it is very frustrating to have this rotation, and now uh, you kind of get you know, a kid coming in and saying, "All right, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna redshirt the season yeah. and leave." Um, it's kind of ruins the whole mojo of the team. Um, kind of throws everything in whack for you know yeah. just a little bit um, so while they try to figure out what to do next. But from a player's point, obviously it's it's kind of more power to the players at this point. Coaches, I could see really not liking it as Coach Norvell does. Um, for me, I think it's you know I kind of think it's a good thing. I think that coaches you know should be able to kind of direct on a fly. It's just kind of like if you got injured. You know, but it's this time it's his decision to leave, which, uh, you know, we obviously wish him the best of luck, yeah. whatever he does. But, yeah, it's kind of a – it just puts coaches in such a tough spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. When they think, you know, they're doing all the right things and then you have a player leaving. And it's kind of interesting, too, it's within f- the first four games. Yeah. Because um, you can kind of test out, you know, this school and then, oh, yeah, it's really not working. You know, you can kind of leave. But that's kind of the interesting part for me is – you can actually play a decent amount of games um, over, you know, a quarter of the season. Definitely, yeah. Um, then transfer, but yeah, for me, it's uh, I kind of I kind of like it, but I can totally see coaches' points where it really just kind of hurts the team. And Coach Novell's biggest thing was it's taking the team aspect away from a team sport. I don't know. It's it definitely is something to look at though, because now I mean we're down one of our best running backs. Um, thank God Devonte is coming back, and yeah. it, it might have been influenced as well. You know, he's kind of looking at it saying. Well, Devontae Lee's coming back. Kelton Moore, who is also, you know, a senior just like me, he's getting a lot of touches. And then Toa, maybe they're using him more now that conference starts. He almost got 20 touches yeah. against Hawaii. So it's like maybe he's doing what's best for him, and we support that. It was just interesting to touch on. I thought Coach's topics was a little bit of uh, not a harsh critique, but I just thought it was interesting to touch on because he was very adamant about yes. yeah. He was, I mean, he was heated about yeah. the transfer rules, so. But no pack football this week. What are we going to do on Thursday, you ask? What are we going to do? I don't know. I think we had a – this morning we had a pretty bright idea and kind of went through with it. Oof. Thursday. Got to stay tuned. I know there's no pack football we can preview, but there is a sit-down interview with Coach Lee Nelson about this volleyball team that is absolutely killing it. On so fire. stay tuned on Thursday when we get to pick his brain a little bit about what this season has looked like so far and um, I kind of what, what their goals are. Yeah, definitely yeah. goals and aspirations. That's he what, was very adamant yes. about the team goals and uh, where they're not even close to where they want to be, which is a really good sign yeah, to see. It's a good sign for us because they're 11-3 and three right now, yeah. and he is saying they're nowhere near where they want to be. So catch that full interview on Thursday. But touching on volleyball, they had some games this week. They played Thursday – at Fresno State, they lost that game in three sets, but they bounced back. They bounced back. They did. On Saturday against SDSU, they won in four sets. That Fresno State game, they lost the first set 25 to 21, 25 to 20, and then 25 to 20 in that third and final set. They got swept. It wasn't the best showing by Pack Volleyball, but like I said, they turned it right back around. They beat the pack in total blocks. Fresno State did 10 to 5 and they also beat them in aces 6 to 3. Fresno State seemed as as if they were have the libero was having the game of her life and was making plays everywhere. She was jumping all over the court, yeah. diving all over the place and uh every serve that went to her, it was like perfect setup for the yeah, next. Yeah, we were watching the game. Yeah. You and I were just kind of blown away that she was playing that well. It was mm. It was kind of really something kind of cool to see, but unfortunately it was for Fresno State, yeah. not for us. But like you said, yeah, she was all over the court. She had, uh, I think she led the team in digs for Fresno State during that game. Um, 
But yeah, it was just kind of. I feel like if they didn't have her playing on point, it would have been a much much closer match. Yeah, it would have sure. been it would have been a different game. And some of our players struggled a little bit. A little bit. Like yeah. Ryan Blackwood, uh, she played at our. She plays our libero spot. She had four receiving errors in the match. That was part of the aces. We kind of just saw. Um, she wasn't. She was. You know, her hits going to like the set next was kind of off. Um, they were. It wasn't really setting us our offense up for the, the best spike. It was kind of just playing off of her. Um, her receiving the balls, but you know it was she got better uh, as uh, San Diego State came out. She definitely bounced back, so it was good that we saw you know them struggle, but then they were able to bounce back. It didn't get too much in their head. Um, our team leaders for the Fresno State game, Sydney Peterson had eight kills. Freshman, absolutely still killing it. Sydney Peterson led our team in blocks. She had three. Then Dalen Burns led our team in assists with twenty six, and then Kayla Afoa, the MVP, is still. Balling out, led our team with 16 digs. This team is really fun to watch. It was, um, I think, our my second game watching. That was fun. I mean, they're they're a fun team to watch. They they hit the ball really hard. They play as a team. They're yelling all over the court. It's just a, it's a fun atmosphere to watch. Yeah, I agree. And especially in that Fresno State game when we were watching, uh, I think every single set we were leading at some point. Yeah, and kind of had a meltdown in the middle of the sets, which kind of let Fresno State back in the door. But yeah, one of the first games we both been able to watch because you know streaming is kind of difficult during those some of those tournaments but now that we're in mountain west play i think we'll be able to watch a lot more of those games like you said really fun to watch especially this team the way they kind of when they're clicking on all cylinders you can see them really pass the ball around well and set each other up very well yeah and then they came back saturday against san diego state they beat them 25 22 25 19 then they lost that last the third set 25 to 20 and they came back and absolutely killed that four set, 25-19. to 19. Kalia Spivak had seven service aces, most by a pack player this season and a career high for. The whole team had 11, which was a season high. Seven service aces? In a game, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive because you don't see that many service aces coming in one game. So, I mean, congrats to uh, Kalia, but that was a great game by her. Kayla Foa had 19 kills, again, killing the game. Killy Robbins had 11 kills. Sydney Peterson, after this game, is now ranked 10th in the country in blocks. She's a true freshman, ladies and gentlemen. She is a true freshman at 10th in the country in blocks. She's absolutely killing it for this team. She is a huge, huge contributor to this team. And then uh, the team leaders for this game, the SDSU game, Sydney Peterson had six blocks. Dalen Burns had 49 assists, and Ryan Blackwood had 15 digs. So, like we said, Ryan Blackwood didn't have the best game for Fresno State, but she came back right back versus uh, San Diego State and had 15 digs, and uh, they'll be coming back. They'll be setting up nicely for uh, next week. After the Fresno State and San Diego State games, we are back in action October 3rd at Boise State and then October 5th at Utah State. Man, that Boise game on Thursday, that's going to be a big one. That's a tough one, yeah. That's going to be a big game. Something Coach Nelson was definitely talking about in our interview. Yes. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be a real good test for the Pack, who beat San Diego State for the first time in Coach Nelson's tenure here, uh, which is always awesome to see. But, yeah, I think Boise State's going to be a real test coming up later this week to kind of really see what this team is made of and see if they're really clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah, on Thursday, that Boise State game is at 6 you want to stream it, and then October 5th, that Utah State game is at 11. So they're both away, but you can catch them. You can stream them. Just go to their website and go to sports, go to volleyball, and you'll be able to stream it. So, um, And then also stay tuned on Thursday. So you'll be able to listen to the episode. You'll be able to listen to the interview, and then you'll be able to watch them at night. It'll be a perfect combo. Perfect, yeah. Full day, uh, full day of volleyball. Full day of volleyball. All right. And then we have men's and women's tennis up next. The pack for men's tennis, the pack had two individuals make it to the finals with Julian Evard and Daniel Dodokin, each making it to the A and B singles finals. So the way we're thinking tennis works, we're not the experts on tennis, by the way. No, yeah. But we're thinking how it works is the courts are kind of set up in like an A to B and maybe even C. We don't know. Um, I think there is. Yeah, I think C. there's multiple. I think there's three, if I'm not mistaken. But we maybe, could be totally wrong as But, well. like, obviously, like, A is the best, B, you know, C. Um, so... Julian Evard made it to the uh, A singles final. Daniel Dodonkin made it to the B singles final. Julian Evard fell seven to five and then six to one in the end. End of the weekend, three to one in his finals match. 
and then while Dodonkin also fell just short, six to one, six to three, and then ending at four to one. Some other notable performances from the weekend include Benjamin Campy, who was knocked off in the semifinals by his teammate Dodonkin, six to seven, and then seven to six, and then finally six to three to finish at three to one. So all in all, a great day for men's tennis. You always like to see a couple people making it to the finals, which is great. You always want, you know, reaching the highest peak for pack sports. And then in women's tennis action, we had some really good performers at the, I think it was at the uh, Cal Fall Invitational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in her first collegiate action, University of Nevada freshman, Sania Shikanova. I am so sorry if I butchered that name because it's a very difficult name to pronounce. It is K-S-E-N-I-A. So I'm thinking it's the K is silent. I'm thinking it's Sania. Yeah, I think. Sania Shikanova. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, it is a very difficult name. It um, is a very difficult name, and no matter how you pronounce it, she killed it. She absolutely killed it uh, on the weekend. She advanced to the finals, and this was her first ever taste of college tennis. And she went straight to the finals in the white singles bracket at the Cal Fall Invitational over the weekend. I mean, that's incredible to play your first match of tennis and then to make it all the way to the finals. So we'll be able to kind of keep track and see how she does in the future. The PAC women's tennis team is off until October 23rd. They're going to head on down south to Las Vegas to compete in the ITA Mountain Regional. So we'll be able to kind of highlight that as well and see if uh, Sania will be able to duplicate her success at the Cal Fall Invitational. Next up, a sport that we haven't really talked about yeah, lately. Yeah, first, some first action for yeah. a little swimming and diving right here. Swimming and diving, rub-a-dub-dub. This past weekend, Nevada Swimming and Diving competed in their first dual meet of the season against Washington State. And not only did they win, they dominated. Absolute domination. Like, our swimming and diving team is incredible. They, I mean, they've been good for many years, but yeah. I think they're going to keep it going. They won 13 out of 14 event, events in Washington. So not it wasn't here. They traveled to Washington. They said, we're going to put the beat down on you guys in, in your their home, own pool. In your own pool. And uh, that's exactly what they did. Julia Adamsenik, Imogen Watson, Victoria, Samula, and Donna DePolo all recorded individual wins in the meet, and I don't think I said one name right in that whole in that whole span. So DePolo is pretty is pretty accurate, and what a what a swimming and diving name as well, DePolo. Yeah, Donna DePolo. That is that's like your bread for the pool. Like you're just you're meant to be in the pool if you wear the name DePolo. Um, And then the next time swimming and diving are in action will be another dual meet with the Little Brothers down south on October 11th at 5 p.m. in Las Vegas. A lot of teams going to Vegas. Yeah, a little busy trip. Uh, down. down to Vegas for right. or in the month of October yeah. for Nevada. Are we gambling together? What's going on down there, huh? Let's <laughs> hope not too much. <laughs> not too much. So swimming and diving, keeping their good luck going as they've been killing in the past couple years, and now they're killing it again against Washington, and we'll be able to see how they do against UNLV in uh, down in Las Vegas, October 11th at 5 p.m. We'll be able to give you guys updates on that as well. And then last but not least, can I get an A-freaking-men? Amen, brother. God, soccer won. Let's go. Dude, when I saw that, I was so happy for them. Like, I was so, so happy that they won. I mean, they the Pack started off the weekend taking on a very good Boise State team, but ultimately fell 2-1. to one. That's pretty good. I think Boise State was like eight and one coming into that game, so that's. To, I mean, to only lose by one goal and to finally score, and you know, to only lose to, uh, by one goal to a very good Boise State team. Yeah, and to pro- hold them to two. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're always. Um, they're always projected, especially in soccer, to win every single year. Mm-hmm. Like they are the best soccer team in the Mountain West by far, and we only be uh, we only lost to, by one, so that's pretty good. The Broncos scored in the twenty third and sixty third minute. With Gabby Brown, the freshman who's been stealing away soccer fans' hearts, scored in the 86th minute to make it a game. Brown's goal was assisted by goalie Kendall Stovall. So not only does she save the ball, she's given assists to. Dishing out the assist. She does everything. Stovall also had two saves to go along with her assist against Boise State. So another good game by Kendall. I mean, you'd like to maybe save that one, make it 1-1. But, you know, you can't nitpick when you have Kendall Stovall, who's... 
doing great things in goal. Our defense must have played amazing if Stovall only had two saves right. that whole game. Yeah. They're scoring obviously they scored two goals, yeah. but to only have, you know, couple shots on goal was really good for the pack so another good strong defensive performance especially again when they played uh sunday against utah state yeah and then that game was i mean is it the game of the year i think it might be i think so too i mean i mean it was a a double overtime game for the pack came down to the very end you know going into double overtime all tied up zero zero deciding goal coming from who else Miss Gabby, Gabby Brown. Gabby Brown, dude. Third goal of the season for her. Uh, she has three of the four pack goals this year. By the way, that I just saw the clip of that goal today. That I sent it crazy. to you. Crazy. It's a 20-yard strike that hits the top left corner of the the goalie had no chance. Screamer, dude. Just absolute screamer. And watching all the girls rush onto the field with yeah. all the coaches was pretty pretty cool to see as well. Because it's, I guess it's a it's a golden goal type situation Definitely. for uh, college soccer. So in overtime. First goal wins that scored, and I don't think you could get a prettier goal from Gabby Brown than the one she scored. Yeah, I don't think so. I I mean, the entire team played well. Gabby Brown obviously is starting to – I mean, she's a true freshman, and she's she's scoring three of our four goals on the entire season. She's slowly uh, solidifying herself as, I mean, the soccer player of the future for um, Nevada. Uh, Stovall, again, had a great game, though. Recorded 11 saves, which helped the pack make it to – Double overtime to secure that win. Uh, Brown also tallied 12 shots with three of them being on goal as the team as a whole had 24 shots with eight shots being on goal. So, I mean, were, was the offense just snapping until Mountain West play started? Because I, mean, I, I guess so. I mean, because now they've, I mean, they're coming alive. They're having shots on goal. They're scoring. I mean, the two Mountain West games, you're scoring two goals. That's, that's great so far. I mean, you had two goals the entire non-conference, and then you come into the conference and have two goals already, so that's really good. Um, it was it was fun watching the coaches run on the field because, yeah. you know, I mean, starting out, um, what was it, one in five, I think, one in six for non-conference. To start out that way, it's, I mean, it's hard. I mean, to be a player, it's that grind of just every day. Um, you know, now you're one in six, you're going into conference, you play the hardest conference team, like, it's a grind, and seeing them run on the field like that, it was it was really fun to watch. Yeah, especially you could kind of see, you know, it was a super long game. Like we said, going into double overtime, I think the goal was scored in the 105th, 104th minute, if I'm not mistaken. So, again, a long game for the pack, and you could almost see kind of the emotions that they were drained and all that kind of release of Definitely. energy, their last energy they had to yeah. run out on that field, jumping around for joy, and yeah, just an amazing game from the pack. Amazing defensive game. Stovall again coming through huge. You know, if she lets just one mistake of those in, it's yeah. uh, we don't even get to overtime. So, again, shout out to Kendall Stovall um, and Gabby Brown. Keep doing your thing, girl. We're watching and, you know, Dude. looking out for pack soccer. Yes. Pack soccer, we are hoping, continues on that up and up trend. We have two away games, though, which is kind of. You don't want to see them because coming off such a high, you want them to back in Mackey, but they are two away games the next game. Friday, October 4th, they are at the University of New Mexico, and then Sunday, October 6th, they're at San Diego State. So two pretty good games. That San Diego State game is going to be pretty hard, I feel like, and um, you know, hopefully they can keep it going. I think Pac Soccer is in, you know, trending in the right direction. We were going down for a long time. I, I truly thought our offense like, had, didn't have the ability to score. I truly thought this was going to be the longest season of our lives. Yeah. But, um, I mean, turning it around, two goals in two games. Let's keep this going, soccer fans. And um, make sure to stream and watch. Even though they aren't at home, we still got a sport. Always. And um, keep it going. But I think that is it. Do you have – oh, it's not it. How could I it forget? It is not. I was about to correct you. I was about we to We still forget. have probably the most anticipated portion of our show coming up oh, right yeah. now. We got a whole – 23 votes on little, this one. A little disappointing. What did we get last it's, week? 40? Yeah, but it's a, it's a little bit better than our first week. We exactly. had like seven. So. We're still trending up from the yes. first week. Yes. So our pack player poll, pack player of the week poll, we had three athletes, and we also had some comments. It did not beat the players that we had. So we had Kayla Foa, who had 19 kills on Saturday, helping the pack to get to 11-3. and three. Gabby Brown, who scored her second goal of the season versus Boise, and then third goal of the season against Utah State. We just forgot to – well, the game was still going on when we posted it in our defense, so we yes. didn't know that she 
she scored the Utah State double overtime goal until after we posted it. So Gabby Brown had one hell of a weekend. And then uh, Katie Rutherford placed second in the 87-person field on Tuesday. That's a women's golf. We also had a comment. We had from Captain Steve Alford on Twitter. He posted his opinion on the Pack Player of the Week. He said the cheerleaders that had to go through the entire game on Saturday through the rain. I, I agree. And then we had um, – then someone said band and cheer. So they got a couple votes as well. They tallied five votes for them, band and cheer, being Pack Players of the Week. But ultimately it was – Drum roll, please. It was Kayla Foa with 43% of the votes. It was actually pretty. It was a very close one It this was week. a close one because Gabby Brown was down. Then she took the lead going into the recording session. And then it just ended, and Kayla Foa took the lead to end it. I mean, that's that, Some... that was the two extra votes because when I checked, it was 21 votes, and Gabby Brown is out. So those two extra votes went to Kayla Foa, and she won it. Edges it out. So congratulations to Kayla Foa for winning this week's PAC Player of the Week award. Tyler, now do you have any final thoughts? I have a couple. My first is my vote for PAC Player of the Week. I think I give it to Katie Rutherford. Finishing second in uh, an 87-person yeah. team field is something amazing. I believe she was the Wolfpack Nevada official Wolfpack student athlete of the week. Yes, she if was. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so an amazing finish. I mean, and then Gabby Brown gets a very close second bro- second place vote. vote for me. Yeah, that's my vote. Especially after scoring the game winner against uh, Utah State, which I think if the information was known at the time we posted this poll, yeah. I think she would have edged it Definitely. out. Definitely. Um, but yeah, those two. And then don't take anything away from Kayla Foa. She's been oh, on yeah. a tear recently. Volleyball's been on a tear recently. Got to get someone new. Oh yeah, can't but, be dominating every week. <laughs> oh yeah, no, <laughs> it's always it's always good to see. But yeah, I think all three of those ladies really deserved um, a lot of votes. So it was really good to see. But yeah, going into a bye week for pack football, let's hope that the team gets a little something extra, a little fire under their bellies Definitely. this week um, after the Hawaii game. But yeah, pack sports again, like we kind of said last week, trending up and up in the right direction. Volleyball still playing well. Now we have soccer that's playing well. Yep. Swimming and diving that's dominating. So really, again, what's not a good time to be a Pac fan right it's now? It's always a great time to be a Pac fan here on campus. And that is it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and let's go Pack. <laughs>